As we, um, as we grow to the scripture reading this morning, these are hard words for us to hear. But hear them today. Hear that what Jesus is doing is taking the old and trying to transform it into the new. And maybe, just maybe, these words that were written 2,000 years ago might be relevant for us today. David? You have heard it said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It is also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thank you. 
So um, I, I started first service with this, and I, I just want to see whose Sunday school teachers were better in the comparison between first and second service. So I need the Ten Commandments. Go. Well, I mean, <laughs> okay, thou shalt not steal. What? Okay, there's that. That's Jesus' greatest commandment about the Ten Commandments, which is good, Joe. That was perfect. But I want to go to the Old Testament in Exodus. What else? Thou shalt not commit adultery. What else? What was it? Okay, we got false gods, we've got no other God before me, we got honor your father and mother, which is really good. So, and by the way, so that it will go well with you, Jeff, what do you got? Uh, thou shalt not bear false witness. Ah, thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife, house, or mule, or even donkey. What was that, Nancy? Okay, it's bad. Okay, and what was it? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You know what? You guys did a better job than first service. I just want you to share that with you. So give yourselves a round of applause. That was kind of a, that was kind of a smattering round of applause, but it was, it was okay. Um, but then, at the end of the thou shalt nots in the Old Testament, hear these words. When the people saw, this is after this is delivery, and they know Moses up there. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain smoke, they trembled in fear. These Ten Commandments were written in a time where it was all about fear. It was all about my God's more powerful than your God. It was all about if you don't do this, then dot, 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 fill in the blank. Right? It was all about fear. Interesting time. And, and notice that laws are often about thou shalt not. And I know that every single one of you absolutely follows the speed limit laws. <laughs> thou shalt not go over 60 miles an hour or thou shall thou shall get a ticket for going 70 in a 60. Right, honey? <laughs> she was there. Love that blue light in the back of the rearview mirror. <laughs> Laws are intended to, to keep a community safe. Right? They're int intended to have some kind of consequences. Otherwise, they wouldn't be laws. And maybe, really, if there weren't consequences, it would be easier to break those laws. Would it not? It's amazing. I think, though, about, okay, so you have the, the, the original 10, and I think about the U.S. Constitution. One long page, but one page. And now what we have are full libraries of books, of additions and amendments to that Constitution. And if you don't believe that that had, didn't start someplace before the United States became the United States, open your Bibles again and look at Leviticus, Deuteronomy and Numbers. Those are the amendments to the Constitution that were the Ten Commandments. And by the way, pretty much every one of those was a thou shalt not. 
And then what the Bible does is it moves even deeper, and in First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings, what you have are the descriptions of the successes of following those, or sometimes even more importantly, the failures. I love the Bible because it's so honest. It's so honest about not just successes, but about failures. Then comes this bizarre character, this John the Baptist wearing this weird outfit and eating these weird foods, who becomes the bridge, and in my class tonight we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but the bridge between the Old Testament and the potential of what's coming in the New. John the Baptist becomes the last of the Old Testament prophets to say, you brood of snakes. The law says this, and you are failing the law, and therefore the axe is already laid at the root of the trees, and those that don't bear good fruit are going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now there's a consequence. Enter Jesus. John thought he was going to be the person who was going to be the axe at the root of the trees that would cut things down. But he was mistaken. Because Jesus did not come to cut things down. Jesus came to plant and to grow. And maybe more importantly, to transform. And that's what he sought to do. By taking some of those Old Testament laws and allowing them the potential for transformation in lives. Not just consequences. No longer just about punishment, but about transformation. What he keeps doing is, is, and again, the gospel writer Matthew is amazing at his first sentence in this gospel that goes right back to the creation story. I said this last week, and I want to reiterate this today, is the creation story, whether, and I, I really don't care whether you think it's history or whether you think it's metaphor. The point is still the same. The point is, it's not just about, we focus so much on the whole Adam and Eve thing and the fall, that we forget what the intent of this story was, was to say that at the point of creation, God created perfection. Because everything was in balance. Everything was there. Every need was fulfilled. And that was the garden. And remember, in the first chapter, after every piece of creation, what are the words that supposedly God uses, that God says, and it was good. And it was good. And Jesus is now trying to give us some handles on what might create that good again. And he does it in truly a miraculous way. In this section of this Sermon on the Mount, in this sixth week of our study of the Gospel of Matthew, what Jesus is identifying in, in the simplest terms are murderers of peace. He's identifying, identifying the murderers of of peace. And what he is also saying is, you know what? Peace doesn't just happen when people don't murder each other. Maybe it maybe, just maybe, it goes deeper than that. So you've heard it said, do not commit murder. But now I tell you. And look at this list. Because now what he does is he he begins with this statement of blowing out the candles before uh, Christ is still here, I just want you to know. Okay. But I just don't want him to melt down and, and cover. 
he uses this four-letter word, and it really was a four-letter word in the same kind of genre understanding of four-letter words today. And the word that he uses is racha. Racha, it needs to just tremble in your throat. Because you know what it means? It means empty-headed. It means stupid. If you say you're empty-headed, then what happens? But he doesn't even stop there. If he then, what he says then is, if you even go and call someone a fool, something murders the peace of that relationship. Somebody gets elevated and somebody gets put down. There is no more equal to the relationships. And unless there's equality to the relationships, you have no hope whatsoever for peace. So let's not call each other empty-headed. Let's not call each other fools. Let's see all of those around us as equals. And then what happens is the potential for peace. But then he doesn't stop even there. Then he starts talking about one of the most significant laws of the time, which is, again, one of the top ten, is thou shalt not commit adultery. You've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But what does he say? If you even look at a woman in lust or another human being with lust in your heart, you have committed adultery in your heart. And, by the way, you're creating hell in yourself and in others. Have, having lived for seven years in Santa Monica or in Southern California, one of the things that we discovered there was that somewhere between 30% and 42%, depending on which study you look at, 30% to 42% of the monies um, given or earned in the entertainment industry are centered on porn. I want to say that one more time. 30% to 42% of the monies earned in the entertainment industry are now based in porn. It was interesting, the conversations between services this morning from some parents who were listening to this and, and going back to the words of Jesus and the fact that we live in such an interesting time. Uh, technologically, we live in a time where it, things are just so much more accessible than any other time in history. And one of the things that has been discovered, with, particularly with our youth, and I'm not talking necessarily the youth in this church, but I will guarantee you that every one of them has been exposed to this is we live in a time of sexting. We live in a time where you can take a nude picture of yourself and send it to your boyfriend, and the issue is then it can go on to YouTube or anything else that is now open to the web, and anyone can see this. And somehow we're not, we're not grasping this in Christian communities. And you talk about the murderers of peace. We had a young man sitting in worship this morning who looked at his father or his mother and said, what's porn? I'm loving hearing that. And you know what she said to him was, if you have a girlfriend and you hold that girlfriend's hand and you're walking down the hall at school and all of a sudden some pretty little girl walks by and you're still holding her hand but you're watching her, 
what do you think that's doing to your relationship? There was a great explanation, I thought, for this. One more statistic for you. The latest count is that about one million young girls internationally, one million between the age of 14 and 25 are now engaged in pornography and the creation of it. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us that we feel that is either okay or the only way that I can get by? Where are we protecting and helping our young men and women understand the statement again that I will say to you over and over that not only are you a beloved child of God, but so are they. And what are we doing to help redefine lives in ways that can transform them into realizing that's not the way to go? And guess what? We have to deal with it. And it's surrounding us every day. But even that's not enough, according to Jesus. Uh, one other thing on that. Notice that in this case, you know, in the first one he has you go and take care of business with your friends before you come and present anything at the altar. Look at how, how vigorous he supports this. And saying, it's better for you to mutilate your body so that you remember not to do this. And I'm not, I'm not a proponent of that. But he's trying to make a point here that this puts people in hell and murders relationships and murders community. Can we help our children with all of this? Then he goes into divorce. And I, I want to just put this into context for a minute. The issue back then in history was that all it took for a man, and again, I want you to have that image of that, the little boy holding the hand of the young girl at school and then watching this other girl go by as he's holding this hand. The, the interesting thing about this time in history, by the way, men, you were absolutely in charge and women meant nothing. Women, you were property. And I'm sorry, but you were. And what, all it took for a man to divorce his wife was to write out a decree of divorce Submit it to the elders, and it was done. So if he saw some pretty little thing walking by, and then he looks at his wife and says, eh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. And you had, you had your three or four children or five children in that family. All you had to do was write out that writ of divorce, go marry this one, and, and that woman and those children were put onto the street. The largest homeless populations, the largest area of starvation and hunger were those that were on the streets of that time because of these writs of divorce. That's why they were there. And so Jesus is saying, we better come to terms with this because we are murdering community in the midst of this. So now I bring it in today. Divorce is too easy, friends. And, and if, it, if it's this easy, people are going to do it. And commitments are not taken as significantly as, as I wish they were. You know, one of, the, one of the laws that I have right now is I will not marry a couple if I don't know them and if we haven't had some time together or I haven't witnessed their relationship in ways that make me trust that that commitment is absolutely sound. In the last two weddings I did, that was absolutely the case, including the two of you.
Divorce better be hard. It better be hard. I've gone through it. It's life-changing, and it should be. It's life-altering because it's, it's murdering a marriage. And it has got to be hard. But here's the other piece of this. Remember what I said about sanctuary? This is called a sanctuary for a reason. Those that go through divorce need to be able to come and be loved and accepted and embraced by this community. The one place where I wish divorce was a heck of a lot easier was in situations of abuse. But it's so complex for abused families and particularly spouses and children. And we need to be surrounding those. And I will use the same terminology that I used for service here. If you are in that relationship, get the hell out. And let us surround you and embrace you and uplift you and encourage you to move a different direction. Sanctuary. Sanctuary. Then Jesus goes into this whole situation about oaths. I want to ask a question. I'm warming my hands up because I'm going to shake somebody's hand. What happened to this as an oath? What happened to the fact that your word is your bond? What happened to the place where now what we have to have are 16 pages of documents that say, if you break this bond, then this, and here are the consequences. What happened to that whole idea of trust? Jesus is even dealing with it back then. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no, let the handshake be that point at which we confirm the relationship and whatever that deal may be. Man, would I love to get back to that. And can we stop focusing so much on the potential negative that we have to change everything and isn't a handshake enough? Here, it better be. Here, it needs to be. Everything he's identifying is saying, if you want a transformed community, if you want to understand what it's going to take to become something more, to reestablish that peace and balance that was in the Garden of Eden, it's going to take this kind of work to do that. Oh, I wish it were easy. It's not easy. But what Jesus is saying, it's not just about coveting and murder or those things that are the nth degree. Might it be about the choices that we make every day? Every day. So let me offer another Ten Commandments. And by the way, don't miss next week, uh, if, if you can. And next week I'm going, uh, this is the, the most requested sermon uh, that, I, that I ever get, and that's looking at the two schools of thought about turning the other cheek, going the extra mile, and giving up your cloak as well. And there are two distinctive schools of thought 
on what those verses mean, and that's where we're going next week. So here, Ten Commandments. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You know what? Dorothy and I get angry with each other, and I will never hold our relationship up as something truly special. We deal with everything that everybody else deals with, and we get angry with each other. But we try, we try, particularly with children at home, to not let the sun go down on that anger. And that if Cora sees us fighting or arguing, that she will also see the resolution. You know what my background is, child development and what places children and youth at risk. Research says over and over and over again, those children who are in homes where they perceive, even perceive anger to not be resolved, are at greater risk. They're at greater risk for all manner of problems later. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. No matter what our differences may be, we work to resolve those and stay in communication no matter what the differences may be. Third, there is no need to use any kind of language ever that in any way diminishes another human being. Ever. Ever. And by the way, don't commit adultery. It destroys marriages. I've seen it through my office way too often. If you're having trouble in your marriage, come in and let's talk about it or engage other counselors about it. We have five really wonderful, significant counselors that are emerging for this Family Wellness Center. Engage those. Don't try and resolve this stuff on your own. Six, marriage is sacred as is the human body. Let's not diminish anyone's with lust. Anybody's with lust. It doesn't just create hell for them. It creates hell in us. The most underreported addiction in the country is sexual addiction. What if we created an environment here where we could trust each other enough to be able to talk about it? Seven, let's deal with the divorce question in a forthright and healthy way. And let's be a sanctuary for those going through it. Nine, encouraging those, please, friends, one in four women, one in seven men, at some point in their lives have experienced significant abuse. It's also one of the most underreported, under-talked about, under-discussed, even in a church topics that there is. What if we become that place where people feel safe enough here to say, I just want you to know that he hit me last week and I don't know what to do with it. What if we became that place? And can we, even in the church, and maybe especially in the church, do our business with a handshake of trust? When Jesus says, the kingdom of God is within you, might this be what he's talking about? 
we, every one of us have the potential. Every one of us has the potential to bring a different understanding of community to the table and to this place. It will not happen until we trust each other enough to share who we are. I ask that we share who we are. Will you pray with me? God, if we don't learn it here, there's no way for us to turn and share it out there. If we don't confront it here, there is no way for us to turn and confront it out there. If we don't build the love and the grace, the forgiveness and the expect- and expectation and acceptance here, then there is no way for us to turn and share it even with the next generation. I ask that we take these words of Christ very, very seriously. It's not about judgment. It's not. This is the we're all in gospel. But here's what will make it deeper and greater and broader. Help us do that. With and for each other. Help us remember that not only are we beloved children of God, every one of us, but that as we look beyond ourselves, no matter who we see, is a beloved child of God. Help us create that community. But by the grace of God, go we. In Christ's name. Amen.